and welcome to the Astrology Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Yana, and today we will be discussing the archetypes of the planets. I just bought a new microphone and headphones and everything, so if this episode sounds infinitely better than some of the previous ones, it's likely because my microphone died halfway through, I think it was toward the end of season one, beginning of season two, and I was really struggling to record episodes on my phone without the audio peaking or doing funky things, and now I hopefully have a better setup where you can actually hear me clearly and hopefully some of the ambient noises less, so I appreciate it if you stuck around. Anyway, so I thought I would discuss the archetypes of the planets or the archetypal energy of the planets today because I it's something I engage with a lot when it comes to astrology and when it comes to how I view the planets, especially from what I would consider a pagan worldview um, and how I sort of look at these planets from, uh, I guess, more of a historical, mythological standpoint. So we're going to talk a little bit about all of the astrological planets and their myths, if they apply, um, and kind of how that shapes my view of the archetypal energy of the planets. Um, You know, I'm really interested in how we can take, how nothing sort of takes shape to become something within the archetypal energy of the planets, how we give meaning to the planets and give them significance in order to transform how we see the universe and how uh, we see our place within it. So it's sort of microcosm versus macrocosm type vibe, if that makes sense. And if you don't know what that means, um, it's sort of like that, if you've ever ever heard that uh, phrase, you know, um, divinity within you is also without you, that the, you know, there's a little piece of divine within all of us because it exists in the universe uh and that to me is actually sort of backed by science you know we're made up of the same elements that are in our universe that are made up of our you know within our planet and our solar system and so I guess it just really is like the foundation of my beliefs when it comes to talking about astrology and probably anything related to magic and how I personally would view the my approach to astrology uh, from like an archetypal or psychological uh, or even just when it comes to like interpreting charts or talking about the energies of planets and signs this is definitely how I approach things so with that in mind um, I'm going to go through the planets and I wrote down some things uh, that are just different situations And I guess what you would call archetypes or circumstances that make me think of those planets. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about mythology as well. Um, Because within each, I think, each planet, uh, you can just view it scientifically and very kind of like um, straightforward, literally, as, you know, the sun is just the sun. Um, But the sun, to me, is not just the sun. It is... Uh, you know, the thing that brings life to our planet and to us. You know, we absorb vitamin D with help of the sun. And actually, that's like the main way we get vitamin D or synthesize certain nutrients within our body. It actually also helps us to 
uh, wake up in the morning and stimulate cortisol, uh, which is a hormone that helps us to wake up. And even the sun setting, for example, as well, uh, helps us to go to sleep. You know, getting light in your eyes in the morning wakes you up and gives you energy and even can uh, stifle your appetite to a certain level if you get sunlight throughout the day. And when the sun sets, um, it triggers something within the body that helps you to understand that it's time to go to bed. Uh, Our circadian rhythms, uh, all of those things are sort of tied up in the energy of the sun and the life-giving qualities that we take from the sun. And so I really kind of have like that scientific view of the sun when it comes to astrology and that's sort of how I conceptualize it. But at the same time, the sun to me is also, you know, the sun gods and who are those sun gods. So uh, for me, the main one that I pretty much pull from is Lu. I actually think it's really appropriate for the sun. Lu is a Celt god of talents and uh, also of skills and bard, like poetry. Uh, and that's sort of what I associate with the sun, especially when it comes to the sun's representation in a natal chart, which uh, if you've seen the previous episode when I talk about what the sun sign actually means um, in your chart, it actually refers to your approach to uh, your purpose in this life. So your approach to work or career or like whatever your purpose is within this life usually has to do with career, job, or like whatever you were meant to do here. You know, even if that's like being a family person or, you know, being an artist or a musician or whatever it is, uh, it's your, the sun represents your approach to that thing. So for me, the god Lu really does represent, you know, skills, talents, um, our drive to do those things. And, um, you know, also just the idea that it's a sun deity, uh, really plays into, you know, what do we do in this life? What are our skills? What are our affinities? What, um, and how do we use those, those affinities, you know, like how do we go about achieving those things? Of course, there are other sun deities out there. Um, there's just honestly too many to name. Soul, uh, Ra. <laughs> like, I like literally drawing a blank. I should have really written some down. But Lou is just my main, I would say my main man, but like that genuinely the main uh, deity that I go to. There are also sun goddesses and in every different culture. So, I guess I'm what I'm trying to say is I encourage you guys to personalize this uh, if you are into mythology and the gods then you know you don't just have to go with like uh, the sun god or goddess of Roman or Greek or whatever is being pushed to you at the time or even Lou like I'm saying now that's just me personally uh, you can in fact uh, pull from uh, your own 
pantheons from your own culture or something that interests you that just vibes with you it doesn't need to be your own culture i'm just saying if that's something that will help you conceptualize the planets then looking up sun deities can actually be really helpful because it's something that will bring kind of a story to the archetypes of the sun and that will give you more ideas of what the sun represents in astrology in the I don't know, the zeitgeist of the world of astrology <laughs> and the mind, you know, um, the collective astrological representations that we're all sort of contributing to here. Uh, so I came up with a couple of things for the sun for kind of what the feeling of the sun makes me think of, if that makes sense. The, the energy of the sun uh, brings to mind for me. So the first one is uh, a moment of recognition after much hard work into something you love, especially a creative endeavor. And especially if you're getting recognition from others, but like even recognition from yourself, uh, you know, like when you finish a painting and you've put so much love and blood, sweat and tears into that thing and, you know, it's finished, it's finally done and somebody else can see it or you've been working really hard on a performance or a dance piece or uh, even just a tech even if you were working on like a technical project at work and people are finally getting to see the powerpoint or uh, the efforts of whatever project you're working on are finally completed and you can put it out into the world for other people to give you feedback uh, that that moment of pride of you know we did that or, or I did that. <laughs> uh, the second one is satisfaction you feel after completing a creative project. Uh, you know, that again, so that pride in, in I did that thing or we did that thing or I'm proud that I completed this thing. Uh, I also heavily relate with the sun of that drive and also that shine that we feel, you know, that glow we feel, um, that glow of pride. Uh, the next one is the joy in your heart after spending a night with good friends or a, a day, whatever. Um, that feeling you get, that feel-good feeling of, I had such a good time with those people. I really enjoyed the time that we spent together. I really feel that, you know, we just clicked in our conversation. There was so much good laughter and fun times. Um, you know, the vibes you feel, that that like warm and fuzzy feeling of, of joy. Uh, the next one is the excitement you feel at a new romantic potential partner or situation. Uh, you know, when you meet somebody or you're engaging with somebody new and that, that excitement you feel at what could be with that person or people or whatever. Um, the out of time feeling you get when working on a creative project solely for the love of the thing. Like, when you're working on something creative and you really get in that flow so much that you forget where you are, you forget how long it's been, you forget how long you've been working on it, it ceases to become work, uh, it ceases to be work and becomes just like a flow of ideas, if you will, or you're in the flow of something else that is like not even, can't even be put into words, you're in the subconscious, you're in yeah, I don't know. You're at one with the creative collective, maybe. 
The next one is the egotism or arrogance you might experience when someone hurts your pride. This is sort of like the dark, darker side of the sun energy for me is, you know, when someone hurts your pride and you feel kind of like slighted by them uh, or they give you some criticism and you, you don't like that so much because you want them to be impressed and to just tell you how good you are. <laughs> Uh, the next one is elegant dignity and strong self-worth you might feel when you hold yourself and others to high ideals. So this is, I guess, a little long-winded, but like elegant dignity and strong self-worth, like I guess what I sort of think of is like royalty, you know, like when you watch those period films or I guess even like Queen Elizabeth II would have been like a somebody we could look to that's that was alive for a very long time that most people would have seen you know being alive at a distance or whatever or closer if you're in the UK or in Europe or something uh but like that type of regal energy of just holding yourself to such an esteem and having this strong dignified appearance and um uh, way of holding your your body posture even um and, and, and just that feeling you get from that, you know, there are just some people you meet who have such a high level of dignity and respect and self-worth. And even, even when you look at paintings of people from the past or, uh, you know, they have this great posture and they're wearing these like very formal clothes, it just evokes this like elegant dignity, uh, noble elegance. Uh, and, and, and also when you hold yourself and others to high ideals, so on a more symbolic uh, or metaphorical level, you know, not just the appearance of elegant dignity or strong pride in yourself, but also having that elegance and that pride in yourself because you hold yourself to high standard. You hold yourself responsible and in such integrity uh, internally and others, you know, and also when you do those things, oftentimes other people really rise to that occasion. They see you doing that, um, holding yourself to such high integrity, high standard, high expectation. They want to do the same. They want to rise up to your level or be on the same level as you. The next one is deep wisdom from the father, uh, the son can sometimes represent the father in a natal chart and so oftentimes we see like the deep wisdom from the father coming from this sun sign sometimes people say it's saturn too uh can represent the father but like the sun uh, as well you know so that deep wisdom of the sun of the i guess sort of external you know we look at the sun and the moon as sort of like the Sun as the father, moon as the mother, or masculine, feminine energy, however you want to phrase it. Um, and that deep wisdom from the father coming from sun energy or deep wisdom from the masculine energy, like however you want to conceptualize it is fine. Uh, but it being more external where, where the sun is this external bright light and the moon is an illuminary, uh, but it's not exactly you know, the same energy. The moon is more internal. Another great example is bullying someone just because you can. Uh, I think sometimes we can get a sense of bravado or whatever you want to call it, machismo, 
uh, you know, we get kind of high on our own high horse <laughs> or whatever you would say. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we can become bullies if we're not careful. Uh, to add to that, power trips can also be like a more negative side of the sun. You know, people who have a lot of authority and, um, you know, on the positive side is like people who have authority who do really good things, who inspire us to, again, elegant dignity, high ideals, um, or offer deep wisdom. And then on the negative side of power is authority is like power trips, people who lord over um, those they have power over as though they're underlings or whatever, or, you know, uh, repress or oppress just because they can. So that is a little bit about the sun. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about the moon. So the moon as an archetype, there are many goddess, um, deities <laughs> that I like personally resonate with when it comes to the archetypes of the moon. Um, probably the main one is Diana, um, but there are definitely a lot out there. Selene is like a Titaness goddess. Um, if you, like the other, some mythologies will say that Hecate was a goddess of the moon or the dark moon, depending on what you read. Um, there are many, many, many more. Obviously, this is like just very small portion of moon goddess uh, options here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can use whichever ones resonate with you and your personal view of how you see the moon. And that can really add a lot onto the archetypes of the moon. Um, you know, Diana for me as the huntress goddess, uh, but also uh, goddess of the moon, goddess of the woods, um, and also of like animals, of having this like intuitive knowledge of nature and animals and this kind of like sacredness to her I guess um you know and then as well uh when we talk about Celine she was one of my favorites growing up um you know she was said to have ridden her chariot across the sky at night and that she was pulling the moon um and I just really always loved that imagery and I used to read uh this book series in middle school called The Daughters of the Moon by Lynn Ewing. I mean, good luck if you can find that series now. It was like, I don't think it was ever like a bestseller or anything, but I was very obsessed with these books. And all of the books began with uh, a little snippet of a myth in the beginning, and it sort of would pertain to whatever happened in that book. And uh, and then it was like early 2000s teen girl novels. So if you're into that, definitely check these books out. You'll be into it. Um, but basically all these girls, um, I think it's like at 15 or something, they discover they have some kind of power. Uh, thanks to Celine, the goddess of the moon. They're all daughters of Celine. Um, and uh, they're all meant to bring hope to humanity uh, and fight off this ancient evil called the Atros, Atrox, something like that, um, that came out of Pandora's box. And so that's like the main plot line. But the first book has a little myth about Celine, and that kind of captured me. So that sort of like lives rent free in my head <laughs> about when I think about the archetype of the moon. Uh, but some kind of, I guess, 
I don't know, you know, things that come up for me when I think about the moon's energy is like your gut intuition, like that feeling you get in your gut when you just know something. Um, And like when you know something's going to happen, you like you have a feeling about someone or something uh, and you really feel it in your body uh, or knowing something without having any evidence. You know, the moon to me is really associated with like intuition, um, emotional intelligence too. like somebody who's really deeply thoughtful. And I don't know, I just imagine like really wise women who speak from this like calm state they just seem so um ethereal in a way but just so powerful in their own um command over maybe silence and the way that they speak you know like they really measure their words and whatever comes out is just this like crazy words of wisdom (laughs) kind of what I think of um and to add to that ancestral feminine wisdom you know um we think of like what are those feminine arts you know if the sun is masculine and it's power um then you know ancestral feminine wisdom or motherly wisdom or whatever you want to call it nurturing wisdom Uh, can be the softer side of life you know where is the wisdom in nurturing life or in uh, expressing your emotions even Uh, on the slightly more negative side uh, I associate the moon with taking things personally you know and that's not always bad you know sometimes we can take things personally in a very justified way and sometimes we do it in a not so justified way Uh, sometimes it's It's appropriate to take things personally if they're personal to you, and sometimes not so much appropriate to take things personally. Um, Also, your reflexive emotional reaction to things, you know, the the way that you feel before you can put it into words, that oof, like feeling, you know, like whatever the emotion is, whether that's happiness or sadness or distrust or uh, suspicion or... um, joy or um i don't know anger (laughs) whatever comes to mind um fear right though all of these things that might be emotional reflexive reactions uh also the ebb and flow of your energy we can't always be you know flying high on the energy of the sun where you know we're feeling really prideful and dignified and all of these great things um but there might be times where you know maybe we're on a low emotional ebb and Maybe there's depression, or if there's not depression, maybe it's just like a low emotional energy, you know, we just don't have, we can't sustain that high emotional peak forever. So the ebb and flow of those things is being this like natural sort of wave that comes and goes. Uh, I really associate that with like, you know, the tides of the moon. That's a very scientific thing, but I think it's very appropriate uh, for how our energy can flow. Um, And again, like the sunrise to moonrise effect on our um our physiology is very apparent and also our emotions can sometimes be very apparent as well Uh, on the other hand um, delusional thinking which is something i also associate with the moon is uh you know something that i think uh, comes from maybe my tarot practice where 
uh, you get the moon in a spread. And sometimes it represents intuition, but sometimes it also represents deception and clouded thinking and, uh, you know, the way that people can be possessed by the moon, you know, like those stories about more crime or, <laughs> you know, people being like more sexually in uninhibited during the full moon or whatever. Uh, those kind of stories and, you know, I guess more modern mythology behind the phases of the moon or the full moon itself can be uh, definitely associated here with the moon. And finally, uh, this sort of builds on ebbs and flow of your energy, but waves of emotions, you know, sometimes we think that, uh, you know, ener uh, emotions might hit us all at once. And I really think that that's not necessarily true, you know, um, dealing with grief, my, my dad passed away last year, suddenly, um, I mean, he was older, but, but it was like pretty unexpected, I would say, uh, at least to me. And uh, you know, the grief didn't necessarily come all at once. It came probably over a, a year span uh, in waves. You know, it, it came sometimes really powerfully and out of nowhere. Sometimes I'd be watching something on the TV that just reminded me of something else and then it would, you know, come on very, yeah, very suddenly. And other times it just sort of creeps up on you and you know, it's like a slow burn, you know, that creeps in and creeps out. Um, and I think a lot of people can really relate to that, you know, if they've lost a parent or someone very close to them. But yeah, waves of emotions. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to Mercury. Uh, Mercury is the god of communication, the messenger god uh, in Roman mythology. And uh, uh, in Greek mythology, it's Hermes or Hermé or Hermes <laughs> you want to be like a designer bag about it um that always gets me anyway uh yeah but deity wise Mercury I just sort of see as like Mercury the god Mercury the messenger god um the mythology of like taking messages and like also being deceptive in your communications if you wanted to be or you know how we play with words how words have this power how words can be a spell, uh, how words can transform things is very magical. And that really plays into how I look at Mercury. You know, how we think about it very psychologically when we think of Mercury and Mercury signs or Mercury transits, you know, communications and how the mind works. And I think all of those things sort of apply for sure. Um, but also like the excitement of learning, you know, the curiosity the excitement of learning some new fact or event or reading about some topic that expands your mind can be, you know, a really strong energy of Mercury. Um, the excitement of education, of gaining new knowledge, whether that's esoteric or, you know, traditional higher education in college, university, or, or even like a primary school. Uh, also, our formation of thoughts, you know. I think a lot about Mercury and how, you know, when you meditate, they often tell you, you know, to, to try to clear your mind. This is a very old school meditation. Uh, sometimes I think now guided meditations will give you more instruction to direct your thoughts. Uh, but back in the day, it was like, oh, you want to meditate? Just like sit on the floor cross-legged and breathe in and breathe out and try and clear your mind and think of nothing, which I always thought was very absurd. Even if you're thinking of nothing, that's something. But I digress. 
but yeah, formation of thoughts, you know, how, how do thoughts take form in your mind and take flight, you know, and take hold of you and possess you in some instances. We can really fixate on things, on an idea or a concept or, or a goal or something. I think those are very mercurial things. Um, and again, like Mercury being the god of deception, uh, you know, how we omit things in our words to others or to ourselves and how that can sometimes be a lie uh, or be misinterpreted intentionally. Or how we can tell the truth as well, how we can bring different things to light, basically, uh, based on how we say them. Also, our logical perception, our rational mind it's not so much subconscious with Mercury, it's very deliberate and intentional, um, which is why I think uh, spells and uh, things, you know, like if I were to think about witchcraft or magic, um, I would say that like the moon to me rules ritual because it's such, it becomes such a natural intuitive thing when you're dancing or singing or moving around a space or something or chanting something that feels very intuitive to me uh but mercury is like if you're working on a spell or something like that like or cursing someone god forbid uh you know uh that is like so intentional i mean i guess cursing might be mars right but but mercury really being like that intention that focus of the mind and even how the mind you know flows into the body even um and how it controls our perception of the world how we could change uh the world maybe magically or otherwise using our perception of it if that makes sense (laughs) you know our thoughts become things i really really buy into that also things like uh you know on the on the less helpful side uh overthinking you know how we can really analyze and become overanalyzed or get into analysis paralysis or worry a lot or have this sense of perfectionism you know and and think that everything needs to be a certain way uh all of these things are really locked in and produced by our logical uh, or mental perception to a certain extent and you know it's kind of interesting because when you think about that, you really can sort of think about the idea that, well, if that's caused by, like, if I'm overanalyzing something and it's putting me into a state of analysis paralysis, or if I'm worrying unnecessarily about something, if I try to shift my perception, could that shift these habits that I have? And you know, maybe by looking at it this way, we can think of Mercury as more of a flowing type of energy rather than a stagnant one. You know, we often think it's really hard to change people's minds, but actually in astrology, uh, the signs that are ruled by Mercury are both mutable. So why is that? (laughs) I don't know. Some things to think about here. Okay, we're going to move on to Venus now. So Venus is the goddess of love. She was supposedly uh, birthed into this world through uh, some sperm foam. 
and you know popped right out of the sea foam on a shell or whatever you know you see that really famous image uh you know and then aphrodite uh was the goddess of love as well with a similar origin story of course she's always like way more crazy and spiteful and like i don't know vindictive and like vain in in a lot of the greek mythology but but yeah you know this like <laughs> i don't know i guess it's the flip side of venus right like on the one side like the feeling of being in love is very beautiful and and the aesthetics of being beautiful and and something being very uh pleasing to the eye uh, or or you know the pleasures of life the the romance of it all and then on the other side you know vanity and like rage <laughs> like um so some of the things that come up for me when I think of Venus are like the feeling of being in love you know that 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 warm good feeling of being really in love with someone or just looking at someone and thinking like man I really love this person whether that's like romantic or platonic even you know you could have a really good conversation with a friend and be like I absolutely love this person so much and it's not like romantic in any way it's just it still feels fills you with that that really warm feeling uh the next one is like doing something for the pure pleasure of the thing you know I think we can forget this as adults but when you're younger you know you <laughs> children are very good at this they just intuitively instinctively know how to go and do something that they like whether they're drawing or painting or dancing or singing or making a song up like literally on the spot or putting their clothes together in some funky way I don't think they stop they don't have that like feeling of stopping and judging themselves for the creation they're just doing it because they enjoy it and I think that's something we can really learn from Venus energy is what are the things that I love to do how do those things bring me pleasure and joy and how can I do more of those things not because I'm trying to be good at it or make it a source of income all like great if that happens right but just to do something because it's the pure pleasure and point of doing that thing because I enjoy doing the thing and it makes me feel good okay also good times with friends uh again this is sort of like the feeling of being in love or loving someone uh you know good times with friends that feeling of convivial good times you know you go out drinking with your friends lots of laughter good food um the music is great the lighting ambiance is awesome or whatever and you know you just feel good about it and you really have fun doing those things the thrill you feel when feeling a chemistry spark with someone else like whether it's platonic or romantic sometimes you know romantically obviously we know what it's like to feel a chemistry spark with someone you know you touch their hand or you haven't even touched them and you're like whew you just feel the heat coming off the other person <laughs> uh, platonically though sometimes this can be uh, you know you meet someone and, and you just click you just click so well they just get you they get what you're talking about they know uh, how you feel about something, or they really just get you. You know, sometimes 
certain friends can just really understand you better than other friends. They just understand like, oh no, you'd never do that. Or, oh no, that was so you. And they're right instead of, you know, saying that was so you and being completely wrong and you having to be very awkward about it and be like, yeah. (laughs) Okay, just me. (laughs) Like, uh, But again, the joy of creation, uh, artistic or literal when creating a child. So like, uh, you know, the joy of creating a piece of artwork or creating, I don't know, something physical with your hands, uh, you know, whether that's like pottery or a table or a painting or a song or uh, I don't know, you know, making something physical with your literal hands or literally when you create a child, you know, the joy of creation, the joy of making a baby um, can also be like Venus energy as well. And then on the not so fun side of Venus, we have, again, like the rage of Aphrodite, like the vanity, you know, the, the feeling that you like, you need to be the hottest bitch in town, (laughs) the, the plastic surgery, you know, that, that desperation to be wanted or desired by others and the drive to do whatever it takes to get there. Uh, Not that I'm saying like, you know, you have to be those things to get plastic surgery, just as an example. Obviously, people get plastic surgery for whatever reasons, they get it. And I'm totally for that. But I do think sometimes we seek out uh, alterations to ourselves, whether that's, you know, in the plastic surgery vein or whether we wear specific types of clothing or dye our hair a specific color or get a specific type of makeup. And this can be on, you know, the very extreme and the very conservative side where we do those things so that other people will like us, so that other people will want us or think that we're worthy. Um, And I'm not saying everyone does this, but we do this sometimes. It doesn't exist for no reason, these, you know, sort of stereotypes, I guess. Um, Or simply the outward expression of style, you know, through makeup, clothing, like just for fun, just to express who we are or who we want to be. Um, those can be great things, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be to somebody else's um, eye or whatever to appeal to somebody else. Sometimes it's just like something we're drawn to do, you know, I really love the color, I don't know, green or whatever, and like, I'm gonna make everything green now, you know, (laughs) like, um, you know, and that could just be for me. Uh, Or, you know, I really love the color blue, but like I'm really wearing it because that person over there loves blue and I want them to notice me. Like those are all different motivations for the reason why we can engage with these sort of qualities of Venus. And the final thing is uh, people pleasing for the sake of keeping things nice or being liked by others. Um, This is a less physical, you know, like makeup and, and, you know, it's less like external, but like people pleasing, you know... Like, doing something where, like, somebody's being an asshole and you're just kind of like, ha, 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 that's hilarious and you really hate their guts, but you want things to be fine because, like, you don't like confrontation. Or you really want that person to like you either because you want to get something from them, you want to, you know, have some advantageous thing. Uh, You know, it's kind of the manipulative energy of Venus, I would say. Um, to get something from them or for them to just like you and to be popular. Uh, I think those are like energy qualities of Venus that maybe we don't talk about so much, you know, like, uh, you know, different signs obviously will exert different things, but, uh, you know, for, as an example, you know, Venus and Libra, Venus and Libra is really beautiful energy, 
they love to be in love. They love the energy of romance. They love the aesthetic. But on the other hand, like, they love to, like, make people like them. And they really want to be, like, loved and wanted and, like, validated. And I'm not saying that's everyone, obviously. Every sign and placement is different. So just take this with a grain of salt. This is just a in the in a bubble example. So I don't want anyone to lose their minds over it. But, you know, Venus and Libra just on its own has those qualities because Libra is a mirror. You know, it's the scales, but it's like weighing yourself. And you can only really weigh yourself when you have something on the other end of the scale to go, hmm, how much does this weigh? And so it can really get caught up with looking it out at everybody else to see like what should be romantic to me, what kind of style do I want to have, and thinking that maybe like I should be following trends when really I don't care about those things, but like I look at them because I want to see what everybody else finds to be cool or in or whatever or chic. So yeah, okay, now we're going to move on to Mars. Mars is the god of war in Roman mythology, you know, it's always raging. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mars, the assertive energy, the productive anger that we can have. You know, sometimes I feel like we all, especially in esoteric or occult or like, I don't know, astrology circles sometimes too, is like, we really romanticize this like love and life, positive vibes only stuff and I'm not saying there isn't a place for those things like yeah of course I want things to be happy like I'm a Venus dominant person in terms of my chart uh I don't like confrontation really but you know sometimes it's necessary and sometimes our anger is justified and sometimes we need to be assertive to get somewhere in life and I think we sort of demonize that thing you know and it's weird because in the same way that we're like yeah like love and light positivity which like great you know I, I I'm all for that too but like not only those things uh we're also like you know but like if a girl uh or a, you know a feminine person whatever whatever you want to say uh if, if a if a woman goes to work and she's very assertive then you know she's a bitch right and then this goes in the opposite direction, too. If a, if a man goes to work and he is not very assertive, then he's a pushover, you know? So there's all these, like, positive and negative qualities of Mars at play here. How do we make war, you know? How do we do this? Like, with ourselves, with others, with religion and politics? And how are those things sometimes good? You know, how can they be good? ultimately good things like you know we might make war in the name of I don't know uh, freedom sure we love to do that right I'm an American so that's like the most immediate (laughs) stereotype I can give you is you know making war for quote freedom uh you know and maybe that's a worthy cause you know in its most pure sense assuming we're actually going to war for freedom right uh you know but Like, let's say we're going to war for religion. Like, I don't think personally that that would be a worthy cause, but somebody else might think differently. You know, going to war for politics. I mean, most time I think war is made from politics, but I digress. But, you know, there are all these different ways that we can make war. 
again, war with ourselves, you know, uh, we're not perfect enough. We're not, you know, directing that anger inward um, and being consumed by it. Um, but yeah, like Mars energy being assertive, that can be really productive, you know, especially when it comes to being assertive at work or being assertive with your partner uh, or them being assertive with you or trailblazing independence, you know, being a business owner. You need to be assertive if you want to be an entrepreneur, right? Um, as opposed to like being assertive in a different direction where you're like impulse decision making, which could be good or could be really bad, um, you know having the drive to go somewhere you know mars really is that that energy that drive um whether it's like a um a uh what is it called um uh biological imperative meaning to like reproduce or whether it's uh you know to go make something out of yourself in the world uh you know we have going passionately after what we desire really big Mars energy which I think is really great you know whether that's what you want to do as a career or going passionately after some somebody that you're interested in or a type of life that you're trying to live or whatever it is you know it can be really productive in a good way um sexual desire Mars I know oftentimes people think about romantic compatibility and they're always asking about Venus signs but like Mars is sexual chemistry um, Venus is actually more about friendship and like general compatibility like how do you guys get along Mars would be like do you have chemistry though and then there are all other tons of other things that you want to think about when it comes to uh, like houses and things like the seventh house and even the eighth house and the fifth house uh, for relationship things like you know in terms of how you're going to get along and how are you going to be compatible that have nothing to do with your Venus sign um, anyway but yeah Mars spontaneous creation that we feel driven to do you know that uh that spontaneous spark of like I must create this musical piece I must start this business I must become a streamer I don't know uh just a, a couple of ideas here but yeah like that spontaneous moment of of I have to do this thing like I feel compelled to do it um, anxiety, I think, is also a Mars energy that we don't really think about, you know, like unused or pent up energy. Like what is anxiety, especially when it's like physically sitting in the body, except for unused or pent up Mars energy? Like if we don't get that physical energy out, then it can sometimes live in our body as anxiety or stress. Also, like Mars energy, like working out, you know, dancing doing martial arts, going to the gym and like lifting weights or really pushing yourself at the gym, definite Mars energy in a really productive way, uh, you know, being competitive in a good way, right? Like with your coworkers or your friends or in a race or something, those are all like, you know, they could be pushed to a, a not so healthy place, but like generally I think those are pretty healthy, you know, expressions of Mars energy. Also taking the lead, like when nobody else wants to own something and you kind of like walk in there and you're like, okay, I'll lead this project or I'll, I got this or let's go here or you make the decision to, you know, take people to this place or go do this thing. Um, and then on the not so pleasant side, like dominating other people with your will, you know, like, you don't know, not forcing people, but like, you know, uh, 
guilting people into going where you want to go or telling people that like, you know, where do you guys want to go eat? And then being like, well, I only want to go here, (laughs) you know, like dominating other people with your, your will to want to do only that thing and, and kind of trying to force them into it in, in, in so many words. And obviously like physically, you know, trying to force people and dominate them with your will is another thing too. Uh, okay. Jupiter. So Jupiter, the great benefic in the sky, um, you know, the God of gods (laughs) and, you know, Zeus is really kind of what I think about when I think about Jupiter. Uh, I think of like, you know, the father archetype as well, you know, the, but like the, the like jovial father, you know, like Santa Claus almost in my brain is like Jupiter energy, you know, because Jupiter brings good things. So I always think of like Santa Claus, you know, like Santa Claus brings like presents and gifts and goodwill toward men and like really good humor and like you just feel good around the holidays, you know uh yeah (laughs) like that's kind of Jupiter energy for me uh but obviously there are many other like father-ish gods or or expansion luck gods even would be appropriate here if you were trying to you know fit with an archetype that works for you um so one of the things I think about is like the joy of growing as a person like I know it's kind of existential but like like looking back or, or not even looking back, but like growing as a person, right? Like every year we get older and, and then we look back on maybe like the past few years that we just went through and we think, wow, I've come a long way. I'm so proud of myself. Wow. We feel good about that. Um, the excitement of getting new opportunities, you know, like if you're at work and you, and you get a raise or a promotion or a new project, you know, and that can be like that excitement that comes with uh, something new and fresh and, and that you know is going to like help you grow in that position or, or that will expand your opportunities. You have an opportunity to be promoted or to be given a raise or a bonus or something like that. Um, that feeling of being lucky and being in the right place at the right time. It's sort of like, I feel like Jupiter energy to me is like when preparation meets opportunity. You know, we call that good luck or, or whatever. Uh, you know, we we, we kind of like work toward this thing that we're hoping will bring us growth and, and progression that we're looking for. And then all of a sudden, just like that, we are able to uh, be in the right place at the right time and get that, uh, that good luck break, you know, kind of thing. That's definitely what I associate with Jupiter. Also on the not so fun side, uh, overindulgence, like eating too much at Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, obviously very American metaphor, but like eating too much at a family holiday dinner or something and then like getting a stomach ache. Like overdoing it in any way is something that I associate with Jupiter. Like even at Jupiter transits, you'll hear from other astrologers say like, oh, you know, like right now of Jupiter and Taurus, you know, give Jupiter and Taurus and in any of the physical body houses, like two, one or or the sixth house might have a tendency to gain weight, you know, because Jupiter just overdoes it or Jupiter and it's Jupiter and Taurus in an earth sign um, that typically does overdo it already. Like Taurus is already kind of a earthy, you know, enjoys eating sign. You know, everybody's seen those memes. Uh, But yeah, overdoing it in any way, but even not even food, like gambling, partying, like being the life of the party, but like too much, like just being the embodiment of like too much of a good thing is like not good. Um, also like religious exploration or fulfillment, Jupiter, uh, 
often ruled like where Saturn rules like law, Jupiter rules. Um, oh my gosh, Jupiter rules like religion and like philosophy and you know expanding our beliefs and really uh, you know exploring the horizons you know of religion in some way and like really figuring out like what do I believe how do I view the world what is my perception of this thing that I'm going through life within Uh, or how do I experience the divine also the excitement of traveling or discovering and exploring a new culture or community like having new experiences you know going on a on a trip and seeing something you've never seen before or seeing the same thing and then like it seems different now but you're like wow like how do I see it so differently like I don't know like like that feeling of like reading a book when you're a kid or seeing a movie or going to a certain place or visiting a a place or something and then you go back when you're an adult and it looks so different that to me is like pretty big Jupiter energy uh quality Okay, so now I'm going to talk about Saturn, uh, also known as the Great Malefic, or I I don't know why I always think of, like, Father Time, like, that's just the, the archetype that lives in my head rent-free for Saturn is, like, Father Time, like, the clock is ticking, like, <laughs> that's what I think about, uh, but also, like, uh, you know, Kronos, you know, that's the Greek equivalent to Saturn um there are a number of other deities you could use here like anything related to time boundaries the legal system authority but like in a harsher sense than um Jupiter or yeah um yeah I think those are probably pretty good uh but like Saturn to me again to me it's just like father time like I feel like Saturn in a way is like the idea of our conscious awareness that we have a finite amount of time in this life with which to use or get things done and honestly the stress that comes with that knowledge you know I think Saturn to me where like Mars to me is anxiety in the body Saturn to me is like pent up or unused Saturn energy you know if we're not out there doing whatever it is we want to do with our lives and we know that, like, time is, like, basically counting down to our imminent death, (laughs) not to be morbid, but, like, that to me is Saturn energy, you know, like, oh, God, I got to be out there, like, doing that thing, because the longer that I don't do that thing, like, I'm going to die one day, I could get hit by the bus, like, I need to go do that thing, it's that compelling feeling of, like, I have things to get done before, like, this life is over, or whatever, Uh, also, like, laying down the law, like, literally dealing with the legal system. And laying down the law is, like, more like in a parenting way, right? Like, I gotta lay down the law for these kids, you know, and, like, tell them what's what or, like, tell them they're grounded or something. <laughs> and then, like, literally dealing with the legal system, you know, like, police uh, or even the, the legal system in a sense of, like, you did something illegal. Um, and that can be in a good way or a bad way when you're dealing with the legal system. Not doing something illegal, but... Um, you know, like authoritative protection, like, you know, witness protection or the police show up and like you need help and they help you. Um, or there's a wall here, thank goodness, because like on the other side, some pr- person's trying to get in and like not in a good way. Um, 
you know, but then there's also things like oppressive authority, you know, like the, the weight of the law and that being really heavy. Um, also like when things are difficult and you have to work really freaking hard and you just feel like you're not getting anywhere and you're like really nose to the grind and you're like working very hard and you feel like there are no results and you don't see any results and you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it. And then having that discipline of day in, day out and like things are really dull and you're like, you keep doing it. Like you get up every freaking day and like you're doing the thing. Uh, (laughs) Like, do I sound like I have personal experience with this? Uh, I have been doing a walking challenge pretty much since the beginning of April. Um, this is just like a real life example I'm going to give you. Um, and I've been walking every single day for an hour or more. And let me tell you when I say that some days it was really hard to get up and do the thing. Um, I had the idea to do this because I did a program called Body Slims. And the gentleman who does the program, his name is Jared Morin, and he has all these like really quotable one-liners, like enjoying it is optional, doing it ain't, which to me is like such Saturn energy, like, oh yeah, like (laughs) I don't need to enjoy it to, to get it done if it needs to get done that day, you know, I need to just do it. And that kind of is like the discipline of Saturn, you know doing something because you know it needs to get done because it's an obligation because like you know ultimately it's going to pay off it's going to be good for your health or your kids or your life ultimately uh you know saving money when like you really want to go out party or um you know eating at home and like you're really 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 craving a burger or you know all the, the ways that we sort of abstain from things or delay gratification definitely has saturn energy also power plays to a lesser extent you know like I know I said that was like sun energy but it's like sun saturn energy really um you know uh power dynamics is really saturn energy um rather than just like lording over people um it's a little more I think it's a little more calculated than just sun energy um, you know, having that discipline and also when hard work pays off, you know, I know we think of Saturn as just like being a real bitch and just, you know, like just there to make your life difficult. But actually like the gifts of Saturn are that when you, when things are hard and it does make things really hard, uh, and I have a really strong dignified Saturn, uh, in a, in a difficult house in my chart. So like, I'm speaking from personal experience when I say this, like when things are really difficult, and they keep being difficult, and you're like, man, why the hell is this not difficult? And then when you just accept, you just like surrender to the fact that like this is going to be difficult for you, and you're just going to have to do it. And so you work really hard, and you try really hard to build this level of discipline. And then finally, your hard work starts to pay off. You start to see those results of building up the discipline and how doing that and like giving yourself limitations or boundaries or restrictions has actually benefited you so that you can see that hard work pay off. You can see the results to your efforts. Um, And also like just overcoming obstacles, like that feeling of triumph when something was really hard and you fucking did it. You fucking did it. Like that to me is like a really good positive aspect of Saturn that we don't talk about as much you know because we we hate him most of the time uh okay Uranus uh Uranus god of chaos 
Oranos, actually is the proper way to say that, or your anus if you're a 90s kid and you think it's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, the god of quick change, chaos, upheaval, rebellion, progression, uh, modern ruler of Aquarius. <laughs> yeah. uh, to me, I just think of this as like the lord of chaos, honestly. Like that's just the, the archetype that I live with when I think of Ornos is, is just chaos and, and quick change, you know? Quick change is like, like, you know, I went to work today and I'm like, it's 2 p.m. and I decided I quit and I walk out, you know? Ornos energy. Um, upheaval, right? Like all of a sudden, like, I don't know, COVID in a way, <laughs> like not to speak the unspeakable, but like, you know, uh, lockdowns really were like all of a sudden, you know, it was, I think for us, it was like Wednesday, March 20th or Tuesday, March 20th. It was something like that, 2020, right? When, when the U.S. Uh, actually went into like a state of like quarantine in place or whatever the heck it was called, shelter in place. I forget what they, the wording they used, but everyone called it lockdown. So, uh, you know, when basically everything shut down and that was like, that's upheaval, you know, it's like instant turn about face. And all of a sudden, you're dealing with this other thing that, like, you were not expecting. Uh, governments being overthrown, you know, like insurrection or one party overthrows the other party and kills the dictator and becomes a new dictator or whatever, you know, I don't know, or whatever. You know, um, rebellion in the streets, protests, uh, out with the old and in with the new. But, like, make it fast to AF, like, you know, like things that happen and shift very quickly, like a sudden change in direction that we just didn't, couldn't, could not have predicted. Um, also natural disasters. Uh, I know I'm thinking mostly about this because Uranus is in Taurus, but like, uh, you know, earthquakes, fires, uh, often like natural disasters are associated with Uranus, especially in earth signs. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I mean, I could see even like if it was in a fire sign and it could cause a fire, you know, something like that. I don't know. Or, or war or something, you know. But yeah, natural disasters. Also, quick movement and progression forward with humanity, especially technology. Like, when I think of Uranus, I think of the fact that, like, in the 80s, hardly anyone had a home computer. And then in the 90s, maybe you had, like, one family computer. And then in the early 2000s, all of a sudden kids had their own computers and that was like a big deal for people to get computers in their room or something. It was kind of like the late nineties, early two thousands kid equivalent of having like the clear white phone landline that I had as a kid, <laughs> you know, like, um, like all of a sudden, you know, things are moving very quickly and, you know, it's like 10 years after that we have smartphones and then 10 years after that, we have like smart smartphones and tablets and AirPods and all of these things that were unthinkable before, you know, and then we have things like Oculus, which just feel like science fiction come to life for a lot of people. Um, you know, all of these things, uh, you know, the other day, my boyfriend's type one diabetic and there, he was telling me they have, um, inhalable insulin now with these like little inhalers that you can just inhale and it's like insulin 
I don't know if that'd be like gaseous insulin or whatever, but it's like that to me is like future car shit. Like that's <laughs> really futuristic, right? Okay, so now we're going to talk about Pluto. Pluto to me, god of death, like straight up Hades in my mind, like god of the afterlife, um, god of transformation. So sometimes I guess in, in a way is like I think of like Caridwyn, uh, who is a Celtic goddess of transformation. You know, she has her like pot that she stirs and makes potions in and stuff like that and like transforms things. There's like often mythology with her transforming babies and like children and like different creatures into animals and stuff like that but yeah like I think of that transformative power of Pluto uh that kind of mythology lives in my brain for the archetypes of Pluto uh, you know uh also like that moment when you're pushed to breaking point and something's got to give which brings deep transformation I don't know why but like for me the thing that comes to mind is like when people are trying to lose weight and it's like you see like the progression in the photos and like the first picture you're like huh okay that's like a good starting point or whatever and then you see another picture you're like oh I see like a little difference and you see another photo and you're like oh yeah there's more difference wow that's good progress and then you see like the fourth photo and you're like holy shit they look like a different person like that is to me Pluto energy like that that moment where you're like push person is like pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and you don't really see it yet you don't really see the the results and then all of a sudden you're like whoa what happened <laughs> like it just you know or even like uh you know in nature we we think about plants right like you know oh it's a little seedling and like you know you put it in the ground and you cover it with dirt and you water it and then there's like a little green thing that pops out and it's just like a little sprout growing and it's like growing and growing and growing and then all of a sudden like a flower blooms or something and you're like whoa when did that it seems to happen instantly even though it's not you know there's this stuff happening underneath the ground that we don't see but it's happening all of the time and and then you suddenly see it and it's like wow that to me is like definitely pluto quality like the idea that you could be doing all this work or these things underneath the surface that nobody else sees or, uh, you know, is bearing witness to except maybe you or it's internal. And then all of a sudden those things, you know, come to the surface and they're showing on the surface now. Um, solitude and isolation, which bring uh, or force or expose us to face down our demons or our fears or our inner madness uh, you know, like being alone where, where we have to like listen to our own thoughts or maybe we're journaling and like this crazy trauma comes out or, or healing happens, you know, and that leads to building our inner wisdom. Also, uh, Pluto, you know, a lot of times, uh, Pluto in the house that's natively ruled by Pluto in the chart speaks of like medicine or like, you know, even Scorpio is like known as like the healer or the detective, um, you know, so sometimes I, I kind of uh, think about Pluto as being like, you know, we dig to the depths of symptoms to find the root cause and then we can cure something. Um, when you keep a secret in order to protect your energy. So as an example, like you're working on some creative project and you don't tell anyone about it to prevent other people's opinions from tampering with your vibes, you know. Uh, if you have seen any of my like free workshops on 
magic, I always talk about like don't tell anyone what you're doing when you're doing it because you don't want their outside energy to kind of taint your energy or, you know, bring in doubts to what you're doing. And that's true for anything, honestly. Any kind of project can be really helpful to keep shit to yourself, you know, until it gets to this point where, you know, you can put it out in the world or something. Uh, Also, Pluto, you know, paranoia, death, like literal death, figurative death, um, literal figurative paranoia. (laughs) Uh, Also, deep investigation of the dark underbelly of the world or society, like detectives or, you know, if we think about like homelessness, prostitution, true crime, psychological exploration of serial killers, like very Pluto energy. They say that all the time about you know, Pluto and Scorpio, which is like my generation, about why, uh, I think specifically women my age are really obsessed with true crime and like serial killer YouTubers and documentaries and stuff like that. Uh, Not me. I hate that shit, but a lot of other people. Uh, A literal and metaphorical death transformation and rebirth. And I think I kind of already expressed that, you know, especially like you think about the whole weight loss metaphor, right? Like, that person is working really hard and most people don't see it, right? They don't see them every day hitting the gym or doing the workouts or like eating really well or getting the sleep or whatever it is that it takes to lose that weight. And nobody sees that. They just see the after photos. But even in the photos, you see the the literal and metaphorical death transformation and rebirth that happens with that person, even if you don't see every moment, you know? you see the moment that the transformation starts to take place when you see like their their results coming in and their change in their body. And then you see the metaphorical death when all of a sudden they don't look like the same person anymore or they have a shift in like how they feel so they just look different. They just present differently even if they don't need to lose a lot of weight. And the rebirth at the end where they're kind of a new person at the end. You know, they're not the same person anymore. All right, and finally, we're going to talk about Neptune. Neptune to me... I don't, I don't even know if I have like a dreamy uh, god or goddess or deity to attune with this one. But Neptune to me is just like dreamy. Um, I don't know. <laughs> just think about like Neptune, the god of the sea, you know, Poseidon or whatever. But I don't know how really that associates well with like Neptune being the planet of delusion and like dreamy romantic creativity imagination like coincide so it doesn't really like that archetype doesn't work for me so this is what I mean about like coming up with your own deity uh names or archetypes even like I mean I use Santa Claus that's like Jupiter's archetype is the main one I think about um you know that's not really a deity by traditional standards but like it's something that I associate with Jupiter uh so like using things that make sense to you in your mind are totally fine I think when you're conceptualizing these planets so like for me Neptune I think of like I don't know like people who are kind of far out like maybe like someone who's high all the time and you know they might be like really religious like not religious in the traditional sense but like religious about their lifestyle right like someone who like smokes weed every day and like lives off the grid and is like, don't, because, like, the man's going to come get you. And they, like, live in a fucking camper. This is showing my age, because, like, this is a very 90s, like, X-Files, like, type of archetype I'm talking about here. But, like, that's what I think about when I think about Neptune. Also, like, 
uh, you know, in a more beautiful sense, like a less like X-Files off the grid conspiracy theorist kind of way, I think of like, you know, uh, really fantastical novels like, uh, I don't know, Harry Potter or even more fantastical than that. Like if you've ever read A Wrinkle in Time, if not, highly recommend, um, uh, which talks about like time travel and it's like very dreamy and there's like basically kind of like angel cherub I don't even know what they would be described as, like, time-traveling creatures who are, like, kind of old women, sort of, in this book. Uh, all right, if you've not read this book, it's going to sound bizarre, but, <laughs> but, but like, just the, the fantastical, whimsical notion, you know, like, never-ending story, um, you know, things like that, the labyrinth, uh, you know, things that are so, like, Alice in Wonderland, like, just wild and kind of crazy and delusional in, in their sense, but beautiful and dreamy in a way. Uh, Neptune energy to me is like yearning for the past, like the quality of nostalgia, you know, um, when we think about the past, we often romanticize the past. It's not usually as good as we remember it, but the way that we remember it makes it seem like it's so much better than it really was. You know, a dreamy romance and chivalry, I think of like, um, you know, the age of chivalry, and those like romance novels or poems or sonnets that came out at the time and how beautiful they are, you know, like, uh, uh, I think, oh my goodness, I can't remember the name of this poem, but it's by John Donne and it's like right in the middle of like the chivalry era. Um, and he's talking about, I think got this from like Tristan and Isolde where (laughs) if you ever saw that movie in the early 2000s. Or if you've ever read the story, uh, it's an old Irish myth, but like this poem by John Donne, I'm going to try and look it up, Uh, (laughs) but it's basically like uh, a poem about love. Oh, the good moral. Okay. Yeah. The good moral, you know, and and, and like some of the lines in this are just so beautiful. Um, Just talking about, you know, our love will be true and everything will be this way and and like this this concept of a happy ending, you know, like Disney, like man, Disney uh, fairy tales, 100%, like Disney princesses, 100% Neptune quality energy in my opinion. Um, yeah, again, romanticizing the past or romanticizing people or stories or things or concepts, you know, like that concept of Disney, like romanticizing the idea of this happy ending or even like rom-coms, like romanticizing this idea that if you just met the perfect person, in the right moment that you would have this moment of connection and then everything is going to be perfect and it's going to fix your life it's going to fix you and like then everything is just going to be great (laughs) and they always have an amazing apartment even if their job is trash and like you're wondering how they afford that in new york city (laughs) like that is like neptune energy to me also ethereal creativity when i think of neptune i really think of the singer aurora i don't know if you guys know who that is but uh she's a singer and she just has like this really ethereal way of speaking if you ever see her in interviews she's just really like lovely and just like so ethereal quality to her this is this really esoteric way of dressing and this like funky haircut and she's beautiful in her own way but it's just unique you know and she just seems like she's from another planet somehow to me like in a good way you know like in a wow like how did you achieve all of this look and vibe that you have it's so cool Uh, Also, spiritual missions and, like, religious devotion. Uh, Neptune um, being this, like, energy of, like, 
you know, you could go on this like spiritual or, or religious mission. You know, I think of like the in in a not so great way, like the Crusaders, you know, who kind of pillage their way to like religiously convert people, or even like the the power of like the church, or even like spiritual missions, like Mother Teresa. I know, you know, like the reality of like reading about her was terrifying that she like wasn't that great, or even like the California. I know they're not only in California, but, like, I learned about this as a kid, as a native Californian. We had to learn about the missions, the Spanish missions, because we have so many up and down the coast. Like, those, to me, are, like, very Neptune energy, you know? It's, like, these really beautiful missions. Uh, they're, like, these huge cathedrals and, like, made out of, like, adobe and, and you know, and then also, like, the ugly underbelly of that is, like, the forced conversion of native indigenous people, right? Like, and forced to, like, be renamed and work in these missions, um also to add to that like religious fanaticism persecution grandstanding you know like the idea that there's like saints and sinners or like we're saved and you're not we're a part of this religious purity that you're not we're just taking religion to this next level of like it consume all consuming you to the point of delusion uh, like the concept of spiritual utopias, like uh, cults, mass communes, mass delusion, like the idea of like drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, like that expression of like, you know, comes from like uh, the, I think Jim Jones, uh, the crazy guy that like wanted all the people in his cult, like, you know, including children all drank the poison Kool-Aid. They were going to go off and be with the creator or whatever the world was going to end. You know, that kind of concept of like, you know, collective delusion and insanity in a way. Uh, feeling like you're in a haze or like you're in a depression or you're like in a funk, I think can have the quality of Neptune as well. Because like, I know people who haven't experienced depression might think that you're just sad when you're depressed, but actually when you're in a depression or a depressive mode or when you're in a funk, quote funk, um, it just really feels like you're in a haze, like you've lost concept of time, everything is slow, you have no motivation, you're unmotivated, and like maybe there is a part of you that feels sad, but it's so like behind like a veil that you can't feel it quite, you know, you're in like a weird cloud. Um, that feeling of getting into and creating your own inner world while reading a book especially but like to a lesser extent like watching a movie or a show where like you have this idea of what this world that's been created is and you're sort of playing a part in it because your perception of it um, especially again while reading a book or something is like your imagination takes over and you create that world in your head even though they've written it and it's a sort of kind of collective um, delusion if you will but it's a beautiful creation all its own that is creative and imaginative and to, in, in a way is very productive and helps us to, uh, you know, create things in the world or have feelings about certain things and help us change our perception, which I think can be very uh, beneficial. Seeing the magic of the world uh, as well is also highly Neptune energy for me. Like, you know, sometimes you're just I mean, maybe you're drunk or high or something, right? Or maybe you're not, you know, maybe, but, but either way, and you're like walking down the street and you're looking at the sky and it's like extra vibrant or you're looking at the moon. I do this because that's me. Or you're, I don't know, at an amusement park or something, or you're, you've just seen a movie and it was like so beautiful. And then you walk outside and you're like, wow, the world is really 
magical and the air smells this way and reminds me of being a child or something or the the way the crickets are singing or you know the air is hot and humid or cold or rainy or whatever you know and I feel the aliveness of it and also literal and metaphorical cleansing or floods so (laughs) it got kind of dark at the end there uh but like literal flooding literal cleansing of your space um but like with a ritual sacred feeling to it I think can be Neptune energy um you know metaphorical cleansing where it's like spiritual cleansing can be I think uh Neptune energy as well and then also like literal floods you know that watery energy of like literal floods happening or metaphorical floods you know like the flood of emotion that overtakes you and uh and it's so all-consuming that you can't see straight anymore you know that that's kind of Neptune energy to me too all right, so that is pretty much all of the archetypal energy and qualities I want to discuss with you guys today. I hope that you found this helpful and that this makes sense in some way or that you get something from it or that it stimulates other ideas and ways that you yourself can create a system of symbols and archetypes for the planet so that it can help you better understand not only the planets but also the signs and yourself and your chart and other people's charts if that's something you want to do. Uh, and astrology transits as well. Um, I think that can be really helpful. It's helped me to learn astrology better. So hopefully you guys get something out of this. I know this was the longer one. Uh, and if you want to learn more about how to spiritually heal and transform your life using astrology and magic, um, you can book a call with me. The link is in the description. Uh, and I will be happy to speak with you about my online program called Embracing the Sacred Soul Blueprint. Otherwise, you can also enroll directly. I will have the link enrollment uh, below if you want to skip the call and you're like, yeah, I want to take this course or I just want to learn about it and read about it on my own. There's information on the link and also a free workshop there if you're curious about embracing the sacred soul blueprint the price has been lowered recently because i want to make it more available for more people um and that's more important to me to get it out to more people so more people can experience the healing and transformation that they're looking for using astrology and magic which has helped me so much in my life if you would like to follow me on social media i am on instagram at astrology which podcast on twitter at astro w podcast I am on Facebook as the Astrology Witch Podcast page, and we also have a Facebook group now called Astrology Witches, where we discuss different transits, and everyone kind of shares different things, which is really exciting and fun. And I also have a Patreon uh, where I share more witchcraft and magical working type things, but I do share a lot about astrology, uh, especially current transits, more in-depth information and recommendations for magical workings for the transits uh, each month. And also uh, each month's lunation, so new moon, full moon energies and like what you could be doing with these energies magically. Uh, On top of that, I have like exclusive witchcraft content there. I also have exclusive path workings for the lovers tier um, for almost all the zodiac signs. Now we're going to have two more, one in January and one in uh, February, I think, for uh, Aquarius and Pisces. And then we'll be done and we'll have all the zodiac signs available to you as well as the seasonal path workings that were already available previously. And I will be working on new path workings in the coming year. 
Um, I just have to work out what I would like to do and then those will be out as well throughout the new year as well. So new information all the time. So hopefully uh, if you're interested in that, you'll check it out. I'll put the link in the description as well to my Patreon. And if you feel compelled to support me there, that'd be great. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me in any of the ways that you have supported me, whether it's just listening to the podcast or uh, following me on social media or engaging with me in any way. I love speaking with you guys and learning more about what you guys want to hear about or learn about or what you have found most helpful. It really honestly helps me to create more episodes and content for you that hopefully you want to see. Um, so if you have any input on that, hit me up on any of the social medias by direct message, or you can shoot me an email at theastrologywitch89 at gmail, and I'll be happy to speak with you. Uh, and as well, if you're, if you want to never miss a podcast episode, I also link below, um, to my newsletter, which will alert you anytime a new episode comes out. If you would like to have access to that and other lunation content, then, um, yeah check it out in the link below. And for now, thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next one.